Yes, people, it is Thursday, which means it's time for another Echo Chamber. So, let us start off as we do with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 25th to the 27th of June. Alright, so, at number 10, people... You know, we um, looked at this one a few weeks back. I think it was a couple... Yeah, no, I think it was two weeks ago, right? It is the father from Florenzelia. Which, uh, yeah, very good film. Won a heap of Oscars. You know what I mean? Definitely worth a look. Alright, so... At number nine this week, people, we have got, and I didn't even know this was a film. You know what I mean? Because I remember the series from back in the day. I am talking about that, you know, rascally little thing, Dog Tanyon and the Three Musker Hounds. Oh, my days. I mean, how great was that? Now, it, I, I've, I've bought the, um, what is it, two seasons? I feel it's two seasons. I bought them. But I was so scared. <laughs> I was so scared to watch them. Because I was like, oh shit, what if this is bad? What if this is, because I remember, I forget what it was, but I watched an old cartoon um, that I, I used to really love and then I was just like, oh, this is horrible. So, um, yeah, I was so scared that that was going to happen. <laughs> but, yeah, I did not go near it. But that is our number nine film. Didn't know it was a film. You know what I mean? Maybe they recut it. Anyway, at number eight, Yo, so we checked this out as part of last year's London Film Festival. The film is tremendous. It's Harry McQueen's Supernova, starring Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci. Oh my gosh, this it rips the heartstrings, people. So worth a look. So that means at number seven, we have got... Michael Chavis, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. At number six, again, we looked at this um, just last week, I believe it was, like Patrick Hughes's The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. So, people, we are now... No, no, no. Yeah, we're now in the top five. Oh, my gosh. I'm just like, ah, oh, I lose my brain sometimes. Okay, so the number five film this week is Cruella from Craig Gillespie with Emma Stone picking up the classic role of Cruella Duville. They're also starring Emma Thompson, Joel Fry, Paul Walker Hauser. At number four, uh, I, I, I think I'm going to see this next week. You know what I mean? I think I'm going to treat myself next week as a little one year onward. 
Alright, so it's John Krasansky's The Quiet Place 2. Starring Emily Blunt, Missalent Simmons, and Callian Murphy. So our number three film of the week. We spoke about it on Echoes from the Void. It's John Chu and Lin-Manuel Medina's In the Hearts. So number two, we have got Peter Rabbit 2 from Will Glock. And the number one film of the week. It's not really a surprise. It is the ninth installment of the Fast and the Furious franchise. And this one is from Justin Lin. So people, that's our top 10 films. Before we get into this week's reviews, here's a little bit of news, all right? Oh, people, some more festival information for you. The Etheria Film Night have announced that they will be streaming, right, their 2021 official short films showcase lineup exclusively on Shudder starting from Friday the 25th of June all the way through to the 25th of July. This year's festival, the world's most respected annual showcase of horror, science fiction, fantasy, action, and thriller films directed by women will feature nine short films and honor the Walking Dead showrunner and executive producer, Angela Kang with the 2021 Etheria Inspiration Award given annually to a person in the entertainment industry who has inspired women to pursue careers working in genre film and television. Producer Gail Ann Hard will present the award to Kang with the ceremony included as part of the official Etheria 2021 content streaming on Shudder. The 2021 lineup has come has some of the funniest things we've ever programmed alongside some of the darkest and most disturbing things we've ever programmed. And that is from Etheria Director of Programming, Heidi Honeycott. Mm-hmm. Right, so, um, yeah, she also says, And we're so happy to be screening on Shudder for the second year in a row. Dum-dum-dum. Right, so, um, yeah, people. I mean, do you really want to miss all of this? You know, Gail and Hurd says, The Ethereum Film Festival is the preeminent 
forum showcasing the many talented women working in the genre field. As The Walking Dead's first female showrunner, Angela Kang has proven herself to be a visionary in the horror sci-fi medium, and she is also one of the most talented people working in television today. <laughs> yeah. You know, and Kang says, as a lifelong fan of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, action and thrillers, I am truly humbled to be in the company of the incredible women of Etheria. Um, and who have been honoured over the years with their inspiration award, not least the incomparable Gail and Hurd. I am on a trail she blazed and loved that Etheria is showcasing new genre films created by women who want to travel the same exhilarating path. So, um, yeah, there you have it, people. It is, uh, is going to be coming at you, which uh, should be fun. Right, some of those films that will be screening, okay... Uh, we've got The Fourth Wall. This is directed by Kelsey Bowling. Um, we've got Narrow, directed by Anna Chazelle. Have You Will Never Be Back from Monica Matteo. Booster Strapped from Katy Aaron. Uh, Misfits from Kayani Ray Walker. The Grey from Myra Aquino. Polar Votron 500 from Sylvia Concia. Eye Exam from Aslim Clark. And Who Goes There from Astrid for Vladson. <laughs> you know, so, um, hey, looks like it is going to be a fun uh, festival people, so go check out the Ethereal website, and remember, it will start Friday the 25th of June, running all the way to the 25th of July, exclusively on Shudder. Okay, horror fans, Mark, Thursday the 12th of August in your calendars, that is right, because Shudder, AMC Network's premium streamer for horror, thriller, and the supernatural, have announced that the new event series Slasher, Flesh and Blood, starring horror legend David Cronenberg, bum, 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 will exclusively stream on the service in the US, Australia, and New Zealand beginning Thursday, August the 12th, with two episodes followed by new episodes streaming each week. The series follows a wealthy, dysfunctional family that gathers for a reunion on a secluded island, only to learn they'll be pitted against one another in a cruel game of life and death. Ooh. All while being stalked by a mysterious masked killer. Nothing is what it seems, and no one is safe as detention and body count ratchets up. 
the eight-episode event series stars Cronenberg alongside cast members from previous instalments of the slasher franchise in brand new roles, including Paula Brancaddy, Jefferson Brown, Patrice Goodman, Sabrina Gredjevich, and Christopher Jackot. Right, so um, yeah, adding to the cast will also be Rachel Crawford, Jenna Guzan, Sydney Meyer, and Alex Ogerola. So um, there you have it, people. There you have it. You know, slasher, flesh and blood is like knives out. Done by John Carpenter and takes the slasher franchise to a new level with a gripping and scary story about family secrets, intrigue, murder and legacy. Um, We're incredibly lucky to have David Cronenberg, an icon of the genre, giving a standout performance as the fearsome, intimidating patriarch of the Galloway family, who sets the tone for the shocking twists, crazy mysteries, and total mayhem that's to come. Shudder members won't want to miss a single episode of this incredible event series, and that is from Shudder General Manager Craig Engler, I mean... Yeah, he won't steer you wrong. No, but seriously, everything on Shudder is great. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything I haven't enjoyed yet. So, yeah, I think this will be worth watching. So, people, the 12th of August, mark it down. Okay, horror fads, July is looking to be a great month. If you have Shudder, and if you're a horror fan and you don't, are you really a horror fan? <laughs> That's the question to ask people. So, during July, they uh, will have four new premieres streaming on the uh, platform and exclusive films, as well as a bumper collection of classical. Joining the library So with the um, the new films The premieres On the 8th of July Is the first And we have Sun Hitting the network So In Sun A mysterious group Breaks into Laura's home And attempts to abduct her 8 year old son David. The two of them flee town in search of safety, but soon after the failed kidnapping, David becomes extremely ill, suffering from increasing psychosis and convulsions. Following her maternal instincts, Laura commits unspeakable acts to keep him alive, but soon she must decide how far she is willing to go to save her son. It is written and directed by Ivan Kavanagh, um, and it stars Andy Matak, um, Emily Hirsch, and Luke David Bloom. 
So the following week on the 15th of July, we see The Toll. Right, so this is directed by Michael Nadar and it's starring Jordan Hayes, Max Toplin, James McGowan, and Rosemary Dunsmore. And the film is about this when a young woman and her rideshare driver break down on a dark forest road, each sees the other as a threat, a strange phenomena. Begin occurring around them They gradually realise They've become trapped In the world of a terrifying Supernatural being The Toll Man Ooh, sounds a bit Ominous, right? Then, on the 22nd Of July, we have Kandisha So it is summer break and best friends Emil Benito and Morgana hang together with other neighborhood teens. Nightly they are fun sharing scary stories and urban legends. But when Emil is, abs- is assaulted by her ex, she remembers the story of Kandisha. A powerful and vengeful demon Afraid and upset Emil summons her The next day her ex is found dead The legend is true And now Kandisha is on a killing spree And it's up to the three girls to break the curse This is directed by uh, Julian Mori and Alexandra Mustilio and it is starring Mathilde Lamus, Samarakand Sadi and Susie Memba. Then on the 29th of July and ending the run of premieres is The Boy Behind the Door. So this is directed by David Carbona and Justin Powell. Right, it is starring Looney Chavis, Ezra Dowie, Kristin Bayer Van Stratton, Scott Michael Foster, and Mitch Hoptman. And the gist of the piece is this. A night of unimaginable terror awaits 12-year-old Bobby and his best friend Kevin when they are abducted on their way home from school. Managing to escape his confines, Bobby navigates the dark halls, praying his presence goes unnoticed. As he avoids his captor at every turn Even worse is the arrival of another stranger Whose mysterious arrangement with the kidnapper May spell certain doom for Kevin With no means of calling for help And miles of dark country in every direction Bobby embarks on a rescue mission Determined to get himself and Kevin out alive or die trying. Woo! 
And um, yeah, Carboda and Powell also write the piece. So they're your premieres, but also adding to the ever expanding library of horror classics is Lake Mungo and Dawn of the Dead, which hit on the 1st of July. On the 6th will be The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane, Terror Train, and Death Ship. Then on the 7th comes Basket Case 1, 2, and 3, as well as the 74 version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. On the 12th, we have Messiah of Evil, Carnival of Souls, Straight Edge Kegger, Dead and Buried, and Blackwater. On the 13th, White Girl and Separation. Then on the 19th, she's allergic to cats. They're inside. And Sadistic Intentions. On the 20th. Mass Hysteria. And Rot. On the 26th. It is Etheria the Series. The 2020 edition. Then. They Remain. Faults. And Follow. So people. There is a lot. To look forward to in July. But you gotta have Shudder to be able to partake. So, what are you waiting for, people? Go get some Shudder into your life. Yo, something that people missed in 2020 were those pop up cinema screens. But, people, people, do not worry. 2021, it's a new year. And the screens are back. Pop-up screens are delighted to announce their return to London with an enormous season of outdoor cinema packed with feel-good movies, guilty pleasures and cult classics that make your film all warm and fuzzy inside. Pop-up screens invite you and your family to indulge in an evening that you won't forget with your loved ones. It's relaxed atmosphere and friendly vibe praised by critics across the country will have you coming back year after year. This year, pop-up screens will span across eight London parks. That's right, people, eight. And open spaces over three months launching on, oh shit, my birthday, the 9th of July at Coram's Fields with the fan favourite, The Craft. Pop-Up Screens offers films for fans of all genres, including smash hit musical dramas such as The Greatest Showman, A Star Is Born, Bohemity Rhapsody, and Rocketman. For audiences wanting nostalgia, fans will be able to revisit fan favourites such as Back to the Future, The Goonies, and Dirty Dancing, um, plus a whole lot more. 
you know, you can uh, join them for a movie or two, and you'll find a great environment along with a bar and some of London's best street food traders. So, the uh, the films that you can enjoy, people. Well, on as I said, starting on the 9th of July at Crom's Fields is the Craft, the tenth. Um, is the greatest showman the 11th bill and ted face the music then over to bishop's park in fulham on the 16th with 10 things i hate about you 17th dirty dancing and the 18th the goonies then it's north greenwich from the 23rd of july for 500 days of summer Greece on the 24th and Back to the Future on the 25th and July ends at Hillfields in Broccoli so on the 30th July is The Goonies and the 31st Dirty Dancing uh, staying on Brockfield um, on the 1st of August it's The Greatest Showman then back to Crom Corman's Fields on the 6th of August. Three films on the 6th with you've got Jojo Rabbit, Pretty Woman, and Ghostbusters. Then Hammersmith, you're not forgotten because on the 13th at Ravens Court Park, you've got Jaws. On the 14th, it's Bohemian Rhapsody. And then the 15th, it's The Greatest Showman. The Guild Hall in the City of London, people. On the 16th, um, you've got um, The Greatest Showman. To 17th, you've got Moonlight. On the 18th, you've got Philadelphia. The 19th, it's The Beach. The 20th, it's Dreamgirls. And the 21st of August is Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Then, Hiver Green, people. From the 27th of August at Manor House Gardens, we got Bohemian Rhapsody. On the 28th, it is The Greatest Showman. And then on the 29th of August, it is A Star is Born. But that's not all. So, back to Bishop's Park in Fulham. For the 3rd of September Because it's Rocket Man The 4th it's A Star Is Born Then the 5th It's The Greatest Showman So then On the 10th of September It is Back to Hammersmith So Raven's Court Park It's Dirty Dancing On the 11th it is at Jurassic Park And the 12th it is Rocket Man And it all ends at the Oval in Kennington Park, right, so 17th of September, it's a greatest showman, the 18th, it's Notting Hill, and then the 19th of September, it all closes with a star is born, so you can book tickets and find out more at popupscreens.co.uk. Adult tickets are £14, and those under 12s, it is £9. But remember, people, there will still be COVID policies in place. 
But yes, for more information, people, go down and check out popupscreens.co.uk. Okay, people, so it is that time. We're going to get into this week's reviews, people. So sit back and enjoy. It's late at night, wondering what to watch. You know what I mean? You don't want anything too, too psychological. It's not about thinking, right? It's not about watching something where you have to follow intricate plots or anything crazy like that. So when I went onto Amazon Prime and I saw, oh, there's a new Liam Neeson film. You know what I mean? I was like, you know what? I think that might be it. I think that might be the one. Because originally, I saw the title, Ice Roads. And I was like, nah. (laughs) That's going to be some stupid ass shit. But then I saw Liam. And I was just like, yo, Liam, he makes some janky action films, right? So, hey. And listen, I get it, right? I understand what Nielsen is doing. Neeson, even. Nielsen? Neeson? Eh, you know. Um, Because, yo, he just wants to keep busy, right? He doesn't want the quiet time where he has to think about just a terrible fucking shit that went down. All right? And I get that, oh my days, I get that, so, you know, he's made some bad films, right, but, hey, you like, they're bad, but, I think, a Liam Neeson action film, it's one of those things that it will keep you occupied, you know, I mean, it's, it's rubbish, but it's not, they're usually not so bad you're looking to switch off in the first 10, 15 minutes. You know what I mean? They are the type of thing that you can throw on when you uh, you want that distraction. You know? So, yeah, I checked out the Ice Road people. I went and did it. So this was written and directed by Jonathan Hensley And I think, hey, when you see Hensley He's another one of them peoples which you're like Alright, this this could be something Because he's written, you know he, well, he served as a writer and die hard with a vengeance You know, not the final script, but he worked on scripts. Worked on the first Jumanji, right? Conair. Good film. Armageddon. It was cheesy, terrible, but good, 
Right? Same with Gone in 67, 60 seconds even. He worked, he did, <laughs> he did write and direct the 2004 Punisher, which, I mean, it was better than the uh, Dolph Lundgren version, but not great, right? Not great. But um, that character was never really captured properly until... I'd say season one of the Marvel f- series. Well, actually, I think they probably got him the best in... Was it the second or the third season of Daredevil where he showed up? You know what I mean? That, that's when the Punisher was like, okay, all right, boom. But, yeah, no, he's, he worked on those things, right? Um, Welcome to the Jungle... So, like, he's been on stuff, he wrote the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which, oof, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some dubious shit, but also some good fun-ass shit in that mix, you know what I mean? So, hey, it's one thing that you look at, see the name, and you do wonder, now he hasn't, this is his first film in 10 years, right, 10 years, Boy, had a uh, it had a good cast and everything though, right? So let's get to it, right? So um, it's produced by Bart Rosenblatt and Shavini Rawat. Um, as mentioned, Hensley wrote and directed it. Music was Max Aju. And cinematography is Tom Stem, edited by Douglas Chris. Um, so I think also with the music, right? So uh, yeah, they got like Nikki Six to kind of handle a lot of that as well. But the cast, so we have Liam Neeson as Mike McCain. We've got Marcus Thomas as his brother, Gertie McCain. There's um, Lawrence Fishburne as Jim Goldenrod. Um, Amber Midfunder as Tantu. Right, we've got Martin Seminer as Cody, her brother. Uh, there's Holt McCanny as Rene Lampard. Uh, Matt McCoy as George Sickle. Uh, we got Matt Salinger as CEO Thompson. And Benjamin Walker as Tom Varney. So, yes, that. Yeah, that was the, the, uh, the cast. Right, and the plot is this. After a remote diamond mine collapses in far north northern Canada, a big rig ice road driver must lead an impossible rescue mission over a frozen ocean to save the trapped miners. Right, so I think as soon, right, as you know, it's ice road. You know there's gonna be some crazy shit, right? 
Because I never watched it, but I remember back in the day, my parents used to watch this show. There was this thing called, I was it Ice Truck Drivers? Something like that. Reality TV that followed these crazy-ass ice truck people. And from what I heard about that show, the... Um, a lot of the cast died, right? Because this is some perilous shit. It was a, it was a surprise that I caught my parents watching it a few times. Not the kind of thing that you'd assume that they would watch, but fuck it, they were watching it, right? So it's dangerous. So you know there's going to be some crazy shit, and there was some crazy shit. Now. The film does, it follows those um, action movie, you know, the, the mainstays, right? Setting something up, the thing that's mentioned happens, you know, bad people doing bad things, right? All of that was there. And listen, Hensley, you know, he, he did it. Right on some stuff You know what I mean Like Con Air Armageddon Gone in 60 seconds All bad But all good You know what I mean They're, they're enjoyable They're ridiculous They're fun Right They're all fun But then They're kind of terrible If you really want to break them down but they work, right? They work really well. You know what I mean? But you look at like Die Hard with a. Oh, hold on. Die Hard with a Vengeance, is that the one? Um, I want to know if that's the one with Lawrence Fish. No, with Samuel Jackson. Because that would be good. But I can't remember if it's that one or if it's the one with Justin Long. You know what I mean? Because that one was... Meh. But Diab with a Vengeance, that was fun. That was fun. So if, if that is the case, then yeah, that, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, But I think the thing with Ice Road, right? So you literally in the first seconds of the film, not a spoiler, right? You've got the miners... We're in the mine shafts, and um, you you have the mine one going going. <sighs> Wait, the the thing isn't on. Turn the gauges on. You know we need the gauges to know that if there's a there's a methane build up, if there's a methane build up, we're done. Right, so you get that, so you know. Okay. Okay, um, I'm guessing we're going to have a problem. <laughs> and they didn't even wait, right? Usually that would come half an hour, maybe 45 minutes into the piece. But no, this shit literally happens a few seconds later. We get the explosion, the might, the mind situation, so we get all of that. We then, you know, we're, we're with the McCain's, right? So, um, we 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 join the piece, and we have some people picking on Gertie, 
right? So Mike, he sees him. One guy calls his brother a name, right? He uses big words. Mike knocks him out. They get sacked. You know, none of this is spoilers, people. But I think from that, you you get it, right? You get it, right? So these are brothers. They're tight. But one has to, you know, one being Mike, he's having to help Gertie out all the time. So, you know, there's going to be a point in the piece where that becomes a rod of contention. That They're going to have words over it, but then they'll make up, right? And then they'll make up. And obviously, you know, you know, it's gonna and it does. Right, we are not let down. We are not let down, people. But you know, so they're looking for a job. Then the call comes in that they're looking for drivers. They're looking for people to mount this expedition because, believe it or not, we are out of season. So the ice is beginning to melt, and that. That is something that was done very well, right? Because throughout that beginning of the film, right? So when when they're on the roads and everything like that, they do these shots that are through the looking at the bottom of the vans. The vans, the trucks, right? So we're seeing the bottom of the trucks, seeing the tires, we're seeing cracks in the ice, and you're hearing that. Cracking noise that's that's meant to be cracking ice. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but yes, so that that's that was very well done because it, it did help to build the tension. Also, right, as the trucks are going across the ice, you know, the, the further we're getting in, the more slush. Yes. The more slush that is getting kicked up, right? Which, you know, because you're thinking, oh, oh, this is a problem. Is it going to break? Are they going to catch? Are they going to go through? So we have all of this, which it works. It works to build the tension. It works to keep you, you know, on the edge of your seat, right? Because, again, as I said, look, you know it's... You know what they're doing. You know it's a little crazy and far-fetched. But that adds that. Ooh, when's it going to happen? Right? Which, hey, that's what you want. That's what you want from this film. Right? So, there are things in the film that are are stupid. Right? Because, hey, I ain't done an ice truck. Okay, so I don't have that knowledge, people. But I do believe if you were to go into that water, you're pretty much fucked, right? So here's the thing. You might jump in, but getting your ass out is an issue. And then keeping those wet clothes on, you're fucked. You're going to get hypothermia because it, even though the ice is melting, it doesn't mean it's warm, people. It is cold as a motherfucker. 
right? So you need dry clothes, you need to warm up, you need to do all of that ASAP. <laughs> Which is something that they seem to forget. Something that they seem to forget. And another thing that's a little <laughs> okay is I think it, it, it's the way you know what I mean they get people to act, right? You have everyone do a certain thing in the film, which is super shitty, and you're like, wait, 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 why, right? Why are they going to believe this? You know, it, like, it didn't really make any sense. Because firstly, there's someone on the trip who, again, doesn't really make a lot of sense being on that trip. Alright, so then when this thing goes down, you're like, but why are you going to first believe that person? Why are you going to do that thing? It's all a little... You know, to, to to take us to a certain point in the story, they really take some ridiculous leaps. Oh my gosh, they take some ridiculous leaps, you know? But you're kind of like, okay, okay, this is dumb, but let me see where they're going, right? Let me see where they're going. And they go there. Right, the film, it takes these huge, huge, ridiculous, just turns, veering off into ludicrousness, but fuck it, fuck it, by this point, you're just like, I just want to see how they're going to end this shit, you know what I mean, and it pretty much goes down how you would expect, you know what I mean, I think it pretty much does. Now, acting, do we get good? No, the acting isn't great. It's not to say it's terrible, but it's, you know, we're dealing with paper-thin characters here. There is not a lot of depth. So everyone does what's needed from them, but that's about it. So you, you wouldn't really say, oh, these were terrible performances, but they're not. It's just no one has much, right? No one has much. So it is what it is. You know, the whole Tanto Cody relationship bit, that's that all seems a little thin, you know, when yeah, you you just be like, oh, are they really family? Are they really family? You know what I mean? It's just one of them. Yeah, They could have done a lot better. Could have done a lot better with just the way they wrote a lot of this shit. But, hey, as a late night action distraction, because that's what I wanted. That's why I wanted people. It worked. It worked for me in that sense. So, hey... Although, I will never be watching this film again, right? There's certain action films that you can put on again and again and again. You know what I mean? Or, or you know, you might be watching, not watching it every few months, but you will go back to it. I will never go back to Ice Road, 
Bray. But it did what it needed to do tonight. And for that, Ice Road, I salute you. Thank you. Now, the music is... (laughs) The end song is horrible. But it is that action movie end song. Right, it does fit the bill for the the, the the kind of thing that you expect in an action flick, you know what I mean? So it is that, right? So I would say to you people, well, it depends. I, I'll say that it depends if you like the crazy action flick and not the um. You know, we're not talking our kind of, our fours, a Captain America, not that sort of action flick, right? I'm talking about, oh gosh. So, you know, stuff like The Rock on Air, Armageddon, they're good. They're bad, but they're good. I'm talking about those Steven Seagal type ones. You know, the 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 real straight to video shit. You know what I mean? If you like that kind of stuff, triple threat, I think you'll enjoy this, right? Because it's not the top tier. It's not the bottom tier, like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It's better than that. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's it's mid, bottom mid-tier. Bottom mid-tier. So, if that's the kind of action film you enjoy, then Ice Road, ooh, people, that is for you. Or, if you're looking for something to distract you when you cannot sleep, Ice Road... Hey, that will work for you, okay? It's so I believe it's on Netflix in the States and it's Amazon Prime in the UK. You know, other parts of the world, I don't know, people, you'll have to work it out. Check either, right? But they're the two spots that it's on. So um, yeah, people, if you find yourself in those situations, Ice Road. Ice Road. Well, I gotta say, I was very much surprised by this one. My heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Very long title, but man, trust me, the film is interesting as hell. Right? So this is written and directed by Jonathan Um Curatas. I think that's how you say it, right? It's uh Produced by Matt Wingman, Kenny Riches, Ian Peterson, Anthony Pedong, Wajaki Janio, Patrick Fujit, and Jesse R. Brown. Music is from Andrew Reshaw. Um, Curatis also handled the... Uh, Cinematography It's edited by TJ Nielsen Production design Is Rodrigo Curatis Probably a Relative I imagine And the costume design Is Camellia 
Phillips. It's um, it's crazy, right? It it's something that, in some respects, it reminded me of Jared, you know, Jennifer Sheridan's Rose, a love story, in the way that it twists conceived mythos right and it it does it in a way that you don't i mean there are de- you probably have suspicions right but it's not until near the very end that shit gets kind of confirmed but still not you know what i mean it, it still isn't really uh, which, you know, I dig I dig, right, so the gist is We're following siblings Dwight and Jesse Played by Fujit and um, Sophie um, Ingrid Sophie Scram uh, Who are putting all their energies into keeping their little brother Thomas Um, a, a Owen Campbell alive because he is suffering from an illness. He is suffering from a rare illness and he's very frail and sickly. So, yes, um, Patrick Fugit is Dwight, Ingrid Sophie Scrim is Jesse, Owen Campbell is Thomas. We then have Katie Preston as Pam. Judea Bateman as Turner, uh, Moises El Tavois as Eduardo. Um, we got Anthony Pedone plays a homeless man. Um, Nancy Fong is a thrift store owner. Ivana Picon is a housekeeping clerk. Uh, Misha White is a waitress. So I think they're our probably our main people. Adrian Akers is a motel clerk. Right? Um Yeah. <laughs> I mean like it opens up the way you know it's nighttime, we're on winding roads, and we we see a homeless man going through a dumpster. Homeless man going through a dumpster. And, um, yeah, someone pulls up and offers him help. Now, I think in that scenario, you kind of figure something is going to go down, right? But there are two ways it's going, right? It's either going to go with the homeless person doing something or this mysterious driver doing something. So, um, yeah, the mysterious driver is Owen. It's Owen. It's the brother, right? And um, you then realise... No, sorry, Dwight. Dwight is the brother, yes. Um, what What we see is just in these opening moments... The length someone is going to go for family. Right? We see that. But 
we also see that there is a reluctance to it all. You know, which ah, it, it just makes it just ah, oh, this really bad, this really bad thing, right? The movie is a slow burn movie, so if that's your thing, people, then you're you're golden, right? I think we get given so many emotions here because. Man, there's like doing things for family. There's that family love. There's resentment, right? Because, you know, being tied into that family situation. We're also seeing... Um, I hear some evil shit. I mean, listen, what they're doing is not good, right? The the things that go down in this are not good, but the evilness is there there is um the the act of trying to stifle someone's happiness. You know, which is just like, oh shit. You know, like going out of your way to Fuck with someone's happiness. It's like not good. It's not good, man. Now, I think one of the crazy things is everything in the film, you can see that it is done. Hmm. Well, I will say everything done in the name of Thomas. Is done out of love, right? You, I think that's clear. But boy, 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 it is some twisted, fucked up. You know, it's some twisted, fucked up love, right? It's, it's some country music love right here, right? That's that's what we're seeing. There is all this um, reluctancy to do certain acts. I, I think one thing that really jumps out is hesitation, right? We see that in this, right? The fact of how hesitation on two occasions, two occasions result in terrible consequences. I mean... They were going to be terrible for someone, but uh, yeah, terrible for our uh, our siblings, right? And, and it's just like, oh, damn, you know, if only, right, if only something happened, shit wouldn't have turned out so bad, right? You You just see that, and you're just like, oh. Boy, boy, oh boy! It is. It's a bit of a. Uh, it's a bit of a, a a roller coaster here, because as I said, there's evil shit going down, right? So it's hard to feel bad for anyone, right? It is hard to feel bad, but you do kind of get it. You know what I mean? You kind of get it. You kind of understand to an extent. So when some of these events are unfolding, you... 
uh, there is a sadness to it all, you know, there is definitely this sadness, and you've just, you just feel gutted for, for the peoples, I think you, you definitely see that, I think that Jesse is the one with the more, the, the, you know, the stronger resolve for it all, like, she is the one that is all about the family, and she will stop at nothing to ensure that it is all golden, and, yeah, I think she really does a great job, right, the acting here, it is pretty top-notch, right, because Ingrid Sophie Scram as Jessie, I think she she has to have this level of coldness to her, but then, you know, because it's all, it literally is all about the family, and you know what she does at the very end, really just, but oh man, there's an exclamation mark on what she's gonna, you know, what she's prepared to do, right? So. Although she's cold, there is a love there, right? So she has to give us this love, but also this manipulation. But she, oh man, she's she's a grimy bitch. She's a grimy bitch. You know what I mean, what she does, god damn, there's some there's some evil shit, right? So she has to give us all of that, and she really does. You know, Patrick Fugit as Dwight. Because we we see that he's he, he he's definitely down for doing stuff, but there you know also there is a reluctance, and you know he mentions it throughout. You know, throughout he's like, oh, I don't know if I can keep on doing this, and you know his actions really just fuck everything. Yeah, which you can then just see the regret, you know, the sadness in him. And then, you know, how he has to resolve everything at the end again. Oh, man. It it, it is some craziness. It's some craziness. Right? Owen Campbell, who plays Thomas... And he's a little shit. <laughs> Thomas is a little shit, right? I mean, you, you feel bad for him for some of the stuff, but then, I mean, he does a couple of things in this, and you're just like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, you're a grateful piece of shit. Actually, no, there's three things this little fuck face does. Uh, but, yeah, definitely, you know, uh, it gives us this character, this frail, uh, this frail piece of shit. So, oh, man, they do a great job. Then you've got some of these supporting characters, like Katie Preston's Pam. You know, Joda Bateman's Turner. Oh, both very, very good. You know, Moses El Tabor as Eduardo. You know, 
doesn't speak the language, but I, I, I think, yo, you get everything from him, you know what I mean, everything from him, in this, so, oh man, the cast, definitely, definitely, step up, because, with this sort of story, because it is this slow burn affair, the thing that's gonna bring you to it is the emotion, you know, because, listen, it, it's not about these big reveals, these big shocks, it's, very, it, it's, it's, it's that slow, that drip, that slow erosion of, you know, your sensibilities, so you're drawn into these characters, even though they're not the nicest of peoples, you know what I mean, and, and so, yeah, there needs to be this rawness, you know, this rawness, but also this underlying love, However fucked up and weird it is There is this underlying love up in there Right And yeah, it's all there people It's all there Front and centre So uh, hats off to everyone involved You know, definitely hats off to everyone involved And people You Yes, you Can go and check it out now the film is out, right, it's out, it dropped on Monday, and it's available on all your favourite VODs, so, people, as I said, look, the title is long, but my heart can't beat unless you tell it to, I would definitely say it's worth a look, and if you did enjoy Rose, a love story, then I think this is going to really resonate well with you people. So, boom, go check it out. Some great performances and a story with a very interesting take on some, you know, old, old lore. Sometimes, people, a film, it, it seems to be perfectly titled, right? And I would say that is the case with Vicious Fun. So this is the new film from uh, Cody Callahan. Now you might remember Cody. He directed The Oak Room, which we spoke about earlier on in the year. And um, Cody co-wrote this film with James Villeneuve. Okay, so... um. It was produced by a good few people, right? So, well, we've got Chad Archibald and, um, yeah, Cody himself. They they produced. Executive producing is Nate Abraham, Peter Bevan. Uh, we've got Jessica Butland, Dennis Coyne, Ira Levy, Craig McGillivray. Uh, Michael Geigen, Mark Myers, Marina Sarajanvi, Christopher Wasmetz. Um, actually, he's an ex associate producer. Uh, Travis Yankovic is an executive. 
Michael S.E. White is another associate producer. Um, and Leanne Brennan is a supervising producer. We've got Steph Copeland on the music. Jeff Mayer as a cinematography. Mike Gallant is um, editing things. You know. Uh, Melissa Basie and Keelan Sullivan They handle costume design And our cast Well, we have got Evan Marsh He plays Joel um, His roommate is Sarah She's played by Alexa Rose Steele uh, Sarah is dating Bob, who is played by Ari Millen. And we've also got Carrie, played by Amber Goldfarb. Uh, we've got Fritz, who's played by Julian Richings. Mike, who's played by Robert Mullet. Hayado, played by Sean Beck. Zachary. Is David Cockner. Um, Detective Doyle is Christopher Bowman. Detective Hollands is Mark Gibson. Uh, Officer Tony is John Frey. Uh, we've got Phil, who's played by Joe Bostick. Um, yeah, I, I think I'd say they're our they're our main group of peoples, right, I'd say that, and the gist of the film, people, is, uh, is this, okay, so, Vicious Fun Follows Joel, a caustic 1980s film critic for a national horror magazine, I believe it's Vicious Fanatics, uh, who finds himself unwittingly trapped in a self-help group for serial killers. With no other choice, Joel attempts to blend in with his homicidal surroundings or risk becoming the next victim. Bum, bum, bum. So yeah, that's the, uh, that's the gist. And, you know, it, it's intriguing, right? It's definitely intriguing. Now, it's not the first film that has done the support group for killers. You know, we um we spoke about a film back in 2019. I think it came out in about August, sometime in August. It was um oh gosh, it was from Martin Owen and it was called Killers Anonymous. You know, do you remember that one, Peoples? It had Gary Oldman in it, Jessica Alba, Tommy Flanagan, you know, and a, a host of other talented individuals, you know. Um, definitely a different type of film, you know what I mean? Definitely a different type of film to uh, Vicious Fun. And it, so... You know, I said, look, it's, uh, you know, said in the 80s. And we open up, right, to set the scene. 
right? We open up with a guy sharpening knives in a hotel room. Sharpening knives, and we see a girl in a phone booth, right? But I have to say, right, the beginning, because you see the beginning, and uh, I think the assumption is that the guy in the hotel room who then gets in the car, like, you think, okay, so he he's looking to kill the girl on the phone, right? But things get flipped. Now, I will say, you do, I, I believe that when you see that whole, the whole opening sequence, you do assume things are going to be flipped, you know what I mean? Maybe I'm wrong, but that's the, I feel that's the assumption, and I think it sets you up in a way, right, because I think straight away you think, oh, the film is going to be, and it's not, it's not really, it's not really, it, 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 it gives you this, uh, you know, full sense of what is to come, which isn't a bad thing, isn't a bad thing, so we have all of that, and then we, we jump to, we're in a, a, a director's office, and he's talking to Joel, you know, and gotta say, Joel, a snarky asshole. <laughs> he's like a film critic, and he's just ripping into this director in this really condescending fashion. You know what I mean? Just be like, ugh, all your films are like this, and blah, blah, blah. And, and he, he takes a stance of, listen, I know what horror is. You don't. Okay? Okay? So... We we get a feel for Joel, and the feel for Joel is he's an asshole. <laughs> he but he feels he loves the genre, knows the genre. That's what we get. So we we have that, but then also, <laughs> like you can see, Joel wants to be more than he is. Right, firstly, he he's he possibly wants to write. Or direct something himself. And we have him moseying about ideas. And he also fancies his housemate. Right? Fancies his housemate. So you understand that Joel... Some of Joel's frustrations are for things that he thinks might be unattainable or he wants but just hasn't had the courage to go for you know what I mean I think that's kind of the sense that we get and he will also do whatever his housemate tells him to but because you know he's in love with her he then follows her boyfriend follows her boyfriend to a bar which events then lead him into this support group, right? And that's when it all goes awry. Now, a lot you will know recognize a lot of the faces. You might not recognize the names, maybe, but when you see these people's, you're like, oh, that guy, or oh, her, I know her, you know, which is uh, amusing, and. I think what the film does, right, it's obvious that 
you know, they're, they're, they're making a lot of nods to old 80s films, you know, some of the, the cliches that you come across and all of that. It's very knowing in what it's doing. And it walks a line. It walks a line of ludicrousness. Ludicrousness? Ludicrousy? Ooh, I do like ludicrousy. I don't know if it's a word, but fuck it. You know what I mean? But yeah, it walks that line, right? Because we have the two detectives later on in the film. You know, who are stupid, like, don't talk about his moustache like that, you know, we get stuff like that, or we then have um, some of the cliches within the serial killers in the group, right, be like, ah, so what, what are your... The ways you like to kill people, you know, and uh, uh, Sardos, you know, they're very much references to those big franchises of the 80s, which, hey, that's not a bad thing, you know what I mean, um, but you can see that what the film, look, the film is going, yes, we know, look, there's this film and there's this, yeah, and there's a lot of those references, like when Joel is talking to the director in the beginning, you know, he references the slow killer and just all of this, so we, we get a lot of this kind of stuff within the film, so we have that, but we also have a, a lot of fun, right? There's a lot of fun here in how everything is being unfolded, you know, and just the the manners in which some of our peoples get killed. Like I think we see a lot of that, and we go from this thing that could, as I say, look, it is walking that line, right, and so it is going from that situation where it could just be too stupid, right, and just to be like, ah, come on, man, that's a bit too much, Right, it, it manages to navigate that and give us this story that is compelling. It is compelling about, you know, just these serial killers and what they're looking to do and how they're looking to do it. We also, you know, take the film from one setting because we get it to a point where it's just like, okay. We have seen this film, right? Well, when I say we've seen this film, we've we've seen films that are in this predicament. And so, before it gets a bit too much, right? A bit too much, like some of the things it's rubbing its nose at, it changes the setting, right? And, And so, we then... Move it along and we flip it And then it's like Okay so now How do we How do we then move it along How do we get to this next Level Which is like it's a fun thing To do you know what I mean? Because it, it, it removes That ah, I know what's happening Next right And it does it You know 
does it a few times, like flipping the script, changing things about, right? Just to make sure you're you're not getting stale and bored of uh, you know our surroundings and everything like that. I would say as well that where you know the, I think the norm is the whole final girl, you know. I think we kind of get a final boy, right? I I, I kind of feel that that's the play here, which you know, hey, it it, it it's interesting. It it works, right? It all works, and then we have situations where there's people who you think might go a certain way, you know, might survive, might, and it all gets, yeah. So, it's fun. Now, there are a few threads that might be left open a bit. Or not open, just but not fully dealt with. But I kind of think some of that might be by design. You know, because it's the whole, oh, in in these films you usually get this and this and this. So, it, it kind of... Has those things, but then it's just like, nah, nah, we we ain't going in that direction. We ain't going there. You know, so I I do wonder if that is a thing. But yeah, I I kind of feel it's a in it's a very enjoyable film. You know, and like I said, look, we've had Killer Anonymous, but this completely different film. Completely different film And I would say More enjoyable Right, I, I did find this Just more and a more enjoyable Story to You know, fall into Because You know, I like the fact that Joel's an arsehole Yeah, because like Look, we shouldn't necessarily have These characters that are great And you, you think, ah, they're the hero And ah, I want those people No, you want to you know, it's just human nature. You know, we come across these things, and, and so it's interesting to see these different archetypes and how they navigate this whole kind of craziness together. And everyone, I will say, every, everyone gives us great performances. Like I don't believe there is anyone in this that you go, eh. Ugh. Like if, if it wasn't for them This could have been You know what I mean Like all our main cast Give us a, a very good showing You know what I mean all, all our main cast really kill it Even some of the smaller supporting characters You know Like Sarah Right they, it, it works Because I think there is complexity in the character and her relationship with Joel, you know, which you do see throughout the film. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's not maybe the character that you might have seen in previous films. You know what I mean? The RC roommate who's kind of using someone, but not quite. Like, it's not really that character. You know, and we get some, although this is a, you know, a fun kind of slasher kind of film, there are moments of 
introspectiveness. Like, I, I kind of think when, um, oh gosh, Carrie talks to Joel, you know, and and kind of breaks, breaks him down, you know what I mean? It's just like, yo, you're doing this, but, hey, that ain't them, that's you, man, you know what I mean? And they're just like, yeah, no, that's true, that's true, right? And, and there's these little moments in the film that does that. Right, we get Officer Tony breaking down the whole um, horror trope to us earlier on. So we get we get these kind of fun moments, you know, that are just like, well, this is how it is, right? This is a thing, but ba ba ba, you know, Carrie in just the explanation in what she's doing. So we get these little. These little windows into reality, as it might be, within this just craziness of a film. Right? And the ending. Now, the ending is an interesting one, right? Because I think, although I was maybe hoping for something to happen in a certain way. Right, I still think it does give us, a, 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 you know, a bit of a fun way to close, right? And also, it's still a bit like, well, this might we might be taking it here, but you know, there are still things, right? There are still things, so it does that, and so in a way, I, I still feel it works. Right, maybe not what exactly what I would have done, but yeah, no, I still thought it it, it gave us that satisfaction and that punch. So people, if um you're looking for a new a new horror, well, not maybe a horror, but more of a slasher, right? More of a a, a fun little poke at the eighties. You know what I mean? While you're waiting for Scream 5 to come out and see if it fills that void for you. Well, why wait? You know what I mean? People, why wait? Because you can get such a film. You can get such a film. Have a lot of fun, right? Because a vicious fun is winging its way to you. Ha <laughs> ha Yes, it is, people. Tuesday, the 29th, you can go grab it. Well, you you can go get it on Shudder. That's what you can go do, people. And listen, we have, we have told you about Shudder so many times. So many times. And if you like any of the fare that you find on Shudder, then... Uh, you will definitely enjoy Vicious Fun, right? Now, ooh, I don't know, right? It, it, maybe it's a little reminiscent to some of the shorts on, like, Scare Package, you know? Or, um, you know, The Shed, right? So there's a, a few things where it's not quite the same, but there's, I think, themic. Femic, Fermic, 
themic, I'm going to say themic, themic undertones um, within, but yeah, I, I think if you like that, like Psycho Gorman, you know, it, it's another of those throwback fun type of films, so yeah, if you enjoy any of those sort of things, I think Vicious Fun is going to, uh, you know, it's going to fill that void for you, it's going to, you know, Give you an enjoyable film watching experience. So people, Tuesday the 29th of June, go check it out. Go check out Shudder. If you don't have a subscription, you can get a free trial, a free week's trial. So yeah, go do that and enjoy yourself. And have yourself some vicious fun. (laughs) Oh gosh, that's so cheesy. I know, Uh, I'm sick. I'm sick to my stomach, people. I can't believe I just did that. But people, go check out uh, Vicious Fun. Cody, Cody and the crew have done a very good job. So enjoy. Yo, it's always said, right, that they don't teach enough history at schools. You know, like... You think about it, there's argument for more education on, you know, like, uh, black history, you know, gay history, Indian history, just, like, there's all these different facets we never learn about, slavery, and, you know, the suffragettes, there's all this stuff that seems to get hidden away, so when you get the opportunity to watch something that Sheds light on situations. You want to seize that with open hands, people. And um, yeah, Netflix have just released a documentary, a documentary on how America was formed. America, the motion picture. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed, people. So, uh, this was directed by Matt Thompson, who, uh, yeah, was one of the producers, along with uh, Will Aguirre, Peter Kimmon, Reed Carolyn, Adam Reed, Eric Sims, uh, Phil Lord, Christopher Miller, Channing Tatum, and David Callahan, who also wrote the piece. Music is from Mark Mathersburg, of Mothersburg, um, edited by Christian Danley. You know, and uh, yeah, it's got a pretty killer cast, right? So Channing Tatum uh, voices George Washington. Jason Mantzoukas, Sam Adams, Olivia Moon uh, is Thomas Edison, Bobby Monaghan is Paul Revere, Judy Greer is Martha Washington, Will Forte is Abe Lincoln, Raul Traliga is Geromino, Killer Mike is... Um, John Henry, or, uh, you know, 
John Smith. <laughs> Black Smith. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Uh, Simon Pegg is King James. Andy Samberg is Benedict Arnold. We have Carlos Alcrea as Clyde the Horse. Uh, Jason Barnes is a, a Redcoat soldier. Yeah, there's just, it's a load of people. Jeff Fassener is Ben Franklin. You know, um, Kevin Giles is John Wilkes Booth. Right? <laughs> we have ZB Gillis as the transporter. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my gosh. People, people, people. This it was it was funny. It was it, it was definitely funny, right? So the gist is in an alternative world and timeline, President George Washington and his men go to war to free their country from the British. AKA the fun police. <laughs> Oh my days I have to say This definitely made me laugh Definitely made me laugh I think coming into it There was the fear Right That it would just be A regurgitation Of Team America Right It it, it was just Because you know The logo is kind of similar You know They weren't really original with that but I will say no. I, I will say this had a voice of its own. A voice of its own. And listen, the Guardian <laughs> hate. <laughs> they hate this shit. Oh my god. They called it a scathing, you know, puerile <laughs> piece of TV. And listen, it's not. Like well crafted jokes or anything too crazy, you know. But I I just think it was handled very well, you know. I, I think like what you want is you know things that can make you chuckle, things that will brighten up a bleary day. And American emotion picture is definitely that. Yo, we've got Wolverine George Washington here. <laughs> you know, which is just freaking hilarious. You know, Paul Revere is a racist <laughs> because he he rides a horse <laughs> and he rides it very fast. <laughs> Oh my god. They they took so there's so many film references like the Fast and the Furious. You know what I mean? Oh my god. It was so funny when George Washington no Benedict Arnold jumps into the coach. He's like transporter. Every someone that looks like Jason Statham. Oh my gosh. That was fucking Hilarious. Oh, that was so good. That was so good. 
it, 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 it's just funny, man. You know what I mean? And that's what you want. Like, <laughs> the TNT explosions. That, it's simple, but it works. Right? So simple, but it works. <laughs> oh, man. Right? That, that, that's the thing, right? And then it's just some stupid wordplay, like, I'm switching sides. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I'm fucking rich. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> you mean it's stupid. But you look, they're playing on... Also, you know, the perception of America a lot of times. You know, Sam Adams and the frat boys. You know? Yeah, it's silly. Of course it's silly. Right? But we learn a lot. You know? We found out that what we thought happened to the Titanic was not true. You know what I mean? It's not true. Right? In... These recent times when we find out aliens have visited, there are sightings that have been documented by our governments to find out that these big moments in history happen completely different to what we've been told. I mean, you do feel a little cheated. Ain't going to lie. You do feel a little cheated. So it's good. It's really good to have clarification here. John 316. (laughs) Oh, fuck, man. Oh, man. Like, I honestly laughed my ass off watching this. And there's some shit I just don't like. I did not find that musical funny. It's a Mormon musical. What the fuck was that Mormon musical called? Was it a Mormon musical? Huh. God damn it. I can't think of the damn name. But I didn't like it. Didn't laugh. Didn't laugh. But Avenue Q was... He- I saw Avenue Q. I think I saw Avenue Q three times. Because that was so fucking funny. Right? So it's not like... I'm just going to bend over and laugh at anything. You know? Fun lube is not free up in here, people. Oh, no, no. Take certain things. And, like, silly humour. There is a place for silly humour, right? The, the thinking that everything has to be highbrow and oh, these really intricate No, sometimes it can just be as stupid as putting people in vats of tea and turning them British, right? It can just be as simple as that, because that, people, is funny. You know, having double-decker buses as (laughs) at-ats. Big Ben is a war machine. Like, this was just... Like, it's some obvious shit. 
but it works. You know, you could have taken all of those concepts, right? All of those concepts, and on their own, they do not make a funny film. You know, you, it's about crafting this stuff together, and it was crafted together in an, you know, a funny way. You know, it, it wasn't um, made out to kind of be like, oh, America is great, right? Because you had all the stuff at the end, even coming through, like Sam Adams is talking some mad shit, right? The whole, um, you know, oh, fuck. Uh, God damn, my memory is so bad. Oh, my God. I, I need to sort it out. Thomas Edison. It's a Thomas Edison thing. You know, changing the sex and, you know, it, it's, hey, changing the sex of, a you know, someone, that's, like, we've seen it. it it's been done. And sometimes it's just like, ugh, ugh. But this, this was some playful ass shit. It was hilarious. You know, it worked well. Right, the the whole Geronimo thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was hilarious. You know? And who'd have thought? Benedict Arnold. Whew. I think he, he he maybe he was the forebearer to Michael J. Fox. You know what I mean? Right? Hey. If if you're not gonna laugh at this people, then you know, it's fine. There's plenty of other stuff out there. But let it be. Hearing? Let it be what it is. Let it be what it is. You know? And, hey, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the fuck out of it. It is on Netflix, which is awesome. You know, and it wasn't too long. It's 98 minutes. It's just over an hour and a half, people. Right? And And that is... It's a good time frame, you know, we throw in some just funny songs and riffs, you know, <laughs> George Bon Jovi Washington. <laughs> oh, Lord. That, it just works, right? It's just stupid, right? It's stupid, and that's what you want. That's what you want. Right? So, hey, there's plenty. There's plenty of serious stuff out right now. So, hey, there's room for this, people. So, if you want something a little bit silly, if you want something to make you chuckle, then I don't think you'd go wrong by checking out America, the motion picture. Okay, people, so we've reached that point again, but before we bounce, let's take a look, see what's happening in the world of films. Well, I don't really think it's a big shock, but with the um, next lot of Oscars, They've said uh, films that premiere on a streaming service, they're um, legible for an Oscar next year. 
And I'm just like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> you mean cinemas were shut for a huge period of time? It would be they wouldn't have any films if they did anything anything differently. You know what I mean? Plus, the Oscars suck. So they do not want to alienate, you know what I mean, a whole load of people. You know what I mean? Ugh. Stupid idiots. Alright, so, um, you know, we've got Cocaine Bear, you know, coming via Universal Pictures. And, uh, yeah, a whole heap of peoples have uh, just joined the cast of, um, do you know what I mean? The film. Alright, so we've got Kerry Russell, Ray Liotta, Alden Emmerich, O'Shea Jackson, Jesse Taylor, sorry, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, you know, they're all um, attached to the film that is coming via Elizabeth Banks. You know, she's, um, I think she's also starring in it too, but she's definitely directing it, you know. So, um, it's written by Jimmy Walden, and it's actually based on true events that happened in 1985, where a 175-pound bear was found dead of an apparent cocaine overdose after, uh, yeah, some drug lords dumped their cocaine out of a plane. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, this is um, getting produced for, by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who we spoke about earlier on, uh, Brian Duffield, Max Handelman, and um, Agita Sood. So you have that. Uh, so there's yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening, right? So um, the new film from Edgar Wright, Last Night in Soho, will be premiering. Um, yeah, it, it's going to well, no, it, it, it's I should say it's it's moving back a slot. Alright, so it was meant to open on the 22nd of October, but that's when June is coming, and everyone knows June is going to be a monster. So yeah, it's moved back to the 29th of October, you know. Um, Making its premiere at the 78th Venice Film Festival is going to be Halloween Kills, right? So it's not going to be in the competition. It's just going to be premiering because Jamie Lee Curtis is getting an award, um, a Lifetime Achievement Award, you know? But the film will make its actual premiere, you know, will hit the global stage on the 14th of October. Because, you know, Halloween and all of that shit, it's got to be October, right? Uh, so, yes, we have that. Um, other news. Right? Amazon. Now, this is an odd one, right? Because earlier in the... I feel it was earlier in the year. All the, um, the Evangelion films and the TV series hit Netflix. Right? And that was huge, you know? Um, 
the last film in the series, you know, the uh, rebuild of Evangelion series, that's going to come out on Amazon Prime. Yeah, seems an odd one, but they've got the international rights to Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.01. Thrice upon a time. That's a mouthful, man. That's a mouthful. So, yeah, they're going to get the full film on the 13th of August. And um, they will also have the other three in that series. So, I believe the TV show will still stay on Netflix. But the films are meant to be a re, uh, you know, a rehash of the TV series, as it were. But it kind of became something else. But yeah, uh, interesting one, I thought. Uh, so over um, at Lionsgate, they've just announced a lot of new films, including the unbearable weight of massive talent, the new Nicolas Cage craziness. Right, so that's going to be hearing on the 22nd of April next year. Um... Also, on the 18th of March, will be The Unbreakable Boy, about a boy born with a rare brittle bone disease and autism. So, uh, yeah, that's going to star Zachary Levy as the boy's dad. And then, this one is this year, actually. On the 1st of October, The Jesus Music will be coming and this is from the Irwin brothers and it will deal with the rise of Christian music from America's 1960 counterculture movement to become a worldwide multi-billion dollar industry hmm (laughs) so we know Netflix signed the huge deal to get two Knives Out sequels and hey, a heap of people have been joining the ranks of this new film with Paul Daniel Craig's Detective Benoit Blanc character Ethan Hawke being the latest you know, so that means we've got Dave Bautista Madeline Klein, Janelle Monet. Leslie Odom Jr. Kate Hudson. You know I mean? It's, uh, it's getting a fat-ass cast, man. Getting a fat-ass cast. Oh, and not forgetting Edward Norton, Catherine Hahn, Jessica Henwick. You know what I mean? It's like, yo. Damn. I'm hoping it's going to be great. And this, I thought this was pretty cool. Scott Adkins is joining the John Wick franchise. Ha ha! Yeah, kind of makes sense to have old Adkins up in the piece. So I think that's going to be a fun, um, a fun one. Because I, he, he, he's talented as hell. Hasn't been in some of the best films, you know, but he's good. You know, he did well in the Bourne Ultimatum, Doctor Strange, you know, so, um, yeah, hopefully this will be a good one for him. Um, now, this 
Well, actually, we got a few things that were a surprise, right? So, um, yeah, you know, um, what's his name? Um, George A. Romaro. You know, he, he he made the classic Night of the Living Dead in 1968, and that film is getting. Uh, it's not so much a remake, more an animated take. Yes. I hope you like what I did there, right? So this is from Jason Axin, and um, yeah, he's going to turn the film into an animated feature. So Josh Duchanel will be voicing the Harry Cooper character. Jewel Hill is going to be Ben. Catherine Isabel is Barbara. James Ruddy Rodriguez is Tom. Kate Shackoff is Judy, Will Sasso is Sheriff McClellan, and Jimmy Simpson is Johnny. Oh, and Nancy Travis is Helen Cooper. So yeah, that's definitely an odd one. Definitely an odd one. Now, another crazy bit of news I feel is we probably are getting a fourth Riddick film. Yes. Now, when, um, you know, after Pitch Black was a huge success, years later came word that, you know, we were getting in that other one, and we got the Chronicles of Riddick, which it seemed like if that was the first film, it would probably have been bigger, because it didn't really answer the questions from the first film, right? And then we got Riddick a few years later, and all the time, Vin Diesel had been saying, there's more. You know, they toy- talked about a possible TV series, but it all seemed to go dead. But, hey, looks like, yeah, we're going to get something else, right? So they were talking about it, and Vin said, David Tui, who wrote a great script, it's just a matter of timing when we get that opportunity to shoot that. But I believe we're shooting that in Australia. So it's safe to say that we are moving towards filming the fourth chapter of Riddock. So, um, yeah. You know, I don't know, man. I'm, I like the series, so I'm down. You know what I mean? I'm definitely down for that. Hey, something else I'm down for is an Old Guard sequel, right? It it came out um, last year, Old Guard, and it was based on the Greg Rucker comic book series. It was uh, Gina Price, Bath Woods, um, you know, she directed the piece about immortal mercenaries, right? And it was a smash! It was a smash, so you kind of figured, well, I think there's three graphic novels so far. So, yeah, seems, um, you know, sensible that we will get another one. And supposedly the filming of that will kick off early 2022. Right, so, um, Charlize Theron, she's, uh, you know, she's um, definitely coming back. And we're just waiting to find out if any of the other Immortals will be back as well. But, um, yeah, looking forward to that one. And this, I think this is pretty cool, 
right? Uh, Miriam Nakamoto, who is a, man, she was an awesome martial artist, you know, Mai Tai, all of that. She was a world champion, eight-time world champion. She is going to be starring in The Queen of Me. No, that's her name, sorry. She's going to be starring at Wildwood, yes. Um... Which is about, um, you know, she's playing a young woman on the run from her mother and a pair of hired killers who stumble into a small town where she's mistaken for a local girl who vanished years earlier. Um, Delaney Bishop is going to be directing and Cara Vescio wrote the script. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. And, um, yeah, this was great news. The um, new Black Panther film, Wakanda Forever, has just started production. I mean, it's a bit sad. I was hoping to get cards in the film. Alas, I'll try for the third. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I- I'm definitely interested to see how they do it. But, you know, in the comic book series, Shuri did become the Black Panther, so, um, yeah, we will see, but it will be a nice birthday treat next year, because it's dropping on the 8th of July, 2022, so, um, yeah, there you go, people, there you go, that is us done for another week, enjoy your movie watching, and, um, yeah, I'd check out all of these films from this week because, you know, even Ice Road is dumb and it's fun. Alright, so people, enjoy your film watching. Oh, Vicious Voices. Vicious, um, yes, that that's awesome. So, yeah, people, go watch the films. They're great. Alright, we'll catch you next week. Peace.